there, Scotty. There we go. Hello, Mr. Fox. How are you? I'm fine. You didn't crank it enough times before you began? I'd forgotten I'd taken the batteries out and <laughs> it's for a long enough period that it wants you to go through the date reset. <laughs> okay. Does that mean that, that there's like you've had to put some tape over the thing of it like like people did with VCRs because they couldn't figure out how to program the clock and they were tired <laughs> of seeing the flashing 12? No, it just means that this, this recording is happening at midnight on the 1st of January 2017. <laughs> we are as up to date as usual, I would as, say. Yeah. Well, Scotty, would you like me to go talk about my successes first, or shall we talk about your, your challenges? John, let's celebrate your success. Considering last time we were talking about how you crashed and burned uh, at the uh, at the hack day, I think we ought to allow you to uh, celebrate whatever uh, uh, modicum of success you've had this week. No, no, no Scotty, I, we talked about me crashing and burning two weeks ago. The last week, I think we talked about, well, I can't remember, well... Anyway. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, John, you have been successful. Let's celebrate. Let's party. Okay. Well, I think I, I had said that uh, that one of the things you do with Hack Days is you, you work on stuff that you're interested in, hopefully related to things that you are working on. And I was very happy that I was able to take, you know, a lot of the work that I've done in the follow-up um, from Hack Day, uh, which in, all involves using AV mutable composition to be able to, to do something. And I still can't talk about exactly what it is I do other than it just uh, it means editing short clips of video and adding some animations to them. Um, and I, I'd worked with AV Mutable Composition way, way, way back when. The framework's been around for a while. I mean, I think that was first introduced in like 2010. So um, and there's, a, there's a lengthy tome about it. There's, 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 there's plenty of Apple documentation. It's a pretty big framework, and it does lots of things. But fundamentally, what I remembered is, is now coming back to me that there's a million ways that you can, you can make things not work and have it kind of fail silently. Um, and I tweeted last week that I was grateful for, for whoever the author of a particular class was because it's, it's, it was the, the instruction. There's, 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 I have to get back up a little bit, but basically, you know, that, that, that whoever had done it, if you go to, to, to use PO in the debugger, it just, it gives you the detailed in English what it's, what it's trying to do. And then you can see out, if you look through it, you say, oh, I just asked it to do something that's impossible to do because fundamentally AV mutable composition is about taking different tracks, which are, are things like assets that, that could be audio files, video files. And you, you take the, the you take the, the, these files themselves which themselves are containers. I mean, a QuickTime movie is a container with with different data in there, different streams of data, which and that tells how to play it back and 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 the rate and 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 so on and so forth. It's a it's a big topic, but fundamentally, you take these these tracks and you sequence them together in different ways, and you have to specify the time in which everything does. And it's not as simple as just saying here is an NS time interval. You have to actually use a, a structure. Uh, called CM time, which combines both the 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 numerator and the denominator to be able to create the representation of time. So it could be, you know, here here's one one second, but it's subdivided into six hundred intervals, for example. Um, and so you, you it's the one thing I remember being so impossibly difficult to do when I was working with it, you know, on something related to memory minor, believe it or not, is I wanted to be able to take these video these images that I was you know creating. And panning and zooming around using CA animation, and and actually export a movie for it. And so this was on the Mac. This is a long time ago. 
um, but it would it would always fail. And and I, I I viscerally remember being told in the labs that the reason that what I was trying to do was failing is because I had I had miscalculated the time at the end, leaving essentially what was a gap in the timeline with no material to fill it. And and Apple's framework optimizes away that failure. <laughs> and that helped me a lot because one of the things I was trying to do is to be able to, to essentially take a video that was too long, trim it, and then in order to kind of indicate that it's too long, that there's more to see, you know, hold a freeze frame for some period of time beforehand and then run an animation that that on top of it, you know, that that kind of explains what's going on and what you can do next. So it's it's kind of like adding, it, it's burning in what might have happened onto the video, what might have existed in the UI when you can just simply put a layer on top of, you know, something else that's going on behind it. Like, And so um, I had tried a bunch of different things and I was reading through lots of different people's tales of woe spanning a decade and everybody said, oh, well, no, you can't, you can't just put something at the end. You can't leave a blank space. So the, the hack around is just basically get yourself a, a blank video, just, you know, a tiny, tiny video of just black space and, and put it at the end and you can, it, it, it can be, you know, as small as, as a tiny, tiny frame that's almost not visible um, but you can make it work that way, or you could just have it be clear. I thought that was kind of interesting, um, but I didn't want to quite do that. But what I ended up doing is is taking advantage of some other things that exist. There's a great API called AV Asset Image, yeah, AV Asset Image Generator, which is a way of basically grabbing frames out of a video. Um, you just specify the time where you want it, and the tricky implementation detail there is that you ask it for a particular time, but you can't have a guarantee that we'll we'll have that exact time. So the method actually will return the time that it actually found that was closest, and that that kind of unblocks a whole bunch of things because then you can basically put in a composition the video, and then you can grab a frame at that the place where you want to cut it out. And then you can use that to stick it as the background of of a CA layer because that's the other great thing. You can combine you know CA animations and have an export. And when you go to export it, you can basically say, "Please process these core animation happenings," and and you'll in effect generate video, which then can get put into it. So it ends up being kind of a multi-pass process. And so the whole thing really depends on 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 just you know, an endless attention to detail about exactly what's going on, exactly what time, and to make sure everything lines up. And whereas it's easy enough to do that if you're in, in a visual editor and you can kind of see things, if you're doing it in code, it can be much more difficult to visualize. So one of the ways I was able to try would things work is I just grabbed my favorite, you know, uh, video editor on iOS, which is Splice, and and I just remember seeing some errors once when I was trying to do something. It's like, why is this erroring out? And, and it brought back bad PTSD because it just gave up a, a cryptic error. And I then felt immediate kinship with the people who were working on it who who were then kind of coming across the problems of the challenges of working with AV mutable composition. But having witnessed the fact that they're in a shipping really sophisticated app, they have problems. It's okay for me to have problems and that the problems kind of are reveal what 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 is interesting thing about it you can't ask for impossible things relating to time anyway so that's that's my little success for this morning it made me happy well firstly john i am glad that you're happy and i'm glad that you can't control time but um <laughs> the two of them together exactly it's there i mean it's there uh, i mean you know the whole um the whole uh, sort of stuff with video and time it's, it's an area that i have very little experience in and it, oh every time i do have to go there 
I know I'm just going to end up scratching my head for a while and, and I basically, you know, end up learning the bare minimum I need to learn to get done what I need to get done. And I'm sure that means I'm not always doing it in what might be the best way, but um, it works and then I, I leave it alone. But I mean, you have, you know, to me, there's a um, something, one of the things you've raised there is the fact that, you know, often when you're working with a complex lower level framework to do with something like audio or video or, or, or networking or anything of that nature, you know, you have this issue that, you know, there are literally almost unlimited number of things that can go wrong. Yes. Uh, which the framework will, or, 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 the, or the library will, will normally handle um, and give you, I say, you know, give you a, an NS error if it's an old star one or give you, um, uh, you know, th throw a swift error uh, if it's if it's a newer framework. But it always presents you the challenge as, as the app developer is how do you, how do you take what you've just been told by the framework and turn it into something that makes sense to the user? You know, what, what, you know, there are, I think the two most common approaches are, of which I don't like either, uh, some people just surface the error that came from the underlying framework. So you'll get something like error 79234276596, you know, happened, or whatever it might be. Um, or... Or they just wrap the error and just say something went wrong, <laughs> but exactly. that's, but which which is you know maybe better for the user because that's what actually happens something went wrong, but that then means when you get the support request all you get told is something went wrong, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is which is next to useless uh, to do support on. You know, it's like the um, uh, uh, we're, I'm in a Slack group with a number of indie developers who have products out there, and someone said today, I love it when I get these type of support support emails, and, and the, the, the email just said product x has stopped working please please advise um, so yeah <laughs> that's your know, perfect support request um so this this whole taking something that's complex and then exposing those errors to the user is is something that you have to or you end up with these like massively verbose pieces of code that try and group the errors and then give more information um or you have to try and be clever and say something went wrong. Please send, you know, please send a support request, and the support, you know, you have it automated in your app that that actually can send the underlying error to it. But it's, you know, it is um, uh, a, a problem to which there is no perfect answer. Uh, I'm not even sure there's a good answer to be honest. But um, but there we are. So uh, even though that's not really what you were talking about, that's one of the things that uh, I was just reminded of while you were telling me about your success. <laughs> Well, thank you, Scotty. I'm glad I was able to provide, you know, a possibility for you to go off on on a at a valuable tangent. Uh, John, it was it was just trying to ignore the fact that you were being more successful this week than I have been. Oh no, no, no. I, I doubt that at all. I doubt that completely. Now, do tell us about your successful failure. Uh, I've had no no specific successful failure. Just just work, just plodding on. Um, so you remember, just to remind people, we've you know we've taken like a decision to do more work on the existing MoneyWell app as opposed to the brand new one that we were writing because we decided that the brand new one we were writing was written just, by you. It's written <laughs> by me and therefore has all lots of problems. It's it's just too far too far away. I mean that one will eventually be the MoneyWell but it's it's you know that's now going to be 2022 also not 2021 and so for 2021 we're trying to but of course one of the things that we 
we had finished, but almost in, in the new right, is we had finished the new iOS app for Miniwop. But of course, it was based on um, all of the new database architecture and the new syncing architecture that we've been using, and not the current core data structure and the syncing architecture we're now going to be using. So one of the things we're having to do is now go back to the um, iPhone app, the original MoneyWell iPhone app, and see if that is resurrectable. Uh, and partly because it contains all the business logic, it contains all the core data access code, it contains everything that we need you know, to, to get the right data out and do the right uh, calculations for transactions. But the app has not been touched in a long time, um, not been updated. I mean, the UI is still pre-iOS 7, so it's still like the skeuomorphic and um, lots of custom controls in there. So, you know, this week has been a little bit of delicately trying to say, um, what can we take from the new app that had nice, shiny, up-to-date UI, um, but was using a totally different set of data structures and bring over to the old app and try and fit on top of the um, uh, uh, fit on top of the, the old structures? And at what point does doing that become pointless and you might as well just do the UI from scratch again? Um, to, to fit around it and often you don't know the answer to that until you've reached the point that you've spent too much time and it's pointless and you should have gone the other way um so yeah so that's that's been part of my my my, my challenge this week but equally i'm taking it from being a ui document app to not being a ui document app and so um yeah i got this very scary sort of lots of custom ui all objective c you know when was when was iOS seven? When was iOS seven released? We're on fourteen, so it had to be seven years yeah. ago, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Realistically, yeah. So seven year old UI code on top, and so it's like yeah, it's all moving very carefully and very delicately without breaking too much. I still think it's the right choice to be making and and doing, but yeah. So that's been my week. So every time you get to you get the app to actually launch and show you something that's that's that sort of half working then I consider that a successful part of my day because it's no nowhere near guaranteed. So, yeah, that's what I've been um, been up to uh, this week. And continuing to fix warnings and um, doing my best to ignore Georg is the uh, the main things I've been I've been doing on our staff. And then obviously continue with client work. And, uh, yeah, lots of continued uh, changes there. Actually, one thing we've done this week is we've decided we're going to try and take somebody else on. Oh, that's so, very good. Uh, well, like the, the 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 diligent robot, you know, is is going to have to require a massive new <laughs> uh, headquarters. Have you started a competition among the various hamlets across the, the East Bolshire metropolitan area to get them to to compete to see who can give you the best barn <laughs> to build a house? I... Yeah, see, now this is something where the pandemic has changed things because we were. Uh... We were an office-based company, but mainly because all the employees did live in East Bollockshire, as you say. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's only three of us. I mean, and, and only five. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if we needed to, the tank would just about um, cope with it being a company of four. It might make us like the second largest employer in the town or something. But there we go. <laughs> Not quite, but there we are. But of course, we're now remote, and uh, we're probably not going to take an office back now. Um, however, we had sort of planned that uh, we'll work remote, but we'll meet two mornings a week in a coffee shop or something to just maintain the culture of the company and everything. But of course, you know, 
take if we're going to take somebody on and we're quite happy for it to be remote because everyone else is remote you know you know the, the friends there now should we really just look for somebody local because it's remote it doesn't really matter anymore uh, but we did want this sort of meet in a coffee shop thing, which I guess we could still do. People here, but then the other person might feel left out. But I think we're, you know, pretty much down on no. We're just going to remain a remote company, and so we're looking to take on somebody because we have we have quite a lot of contract work on, which is great, a nice position to be in. It's not leaving us enough time to work on money well. Um, so we think by bringing somebody else in who can partly partly help with the contract work and partly help on money well. Uh, then yeah, we we might make a bit better progress and um, yeah, and just move forward. So, if anybody out there is looking for a, a remote job, then um, please send me your details, Scotty at diligentrobot dot com. And we've we've decided that actually the important thing is the right person because uh, we work on all being client stuff. We work on all sorts of stuff. One day you might be working in Swift five point whatever um, shipping for iOS fourteen using Swift UI. And another day you might be working like in an 11-year-old Objective-C code base where, you know, everything breaks the moment you touch it. Um, and that's and we do Mac work and we do iOS work. Now, that's quite a, a large set of um, uh, criteria. And to be honest, people who, you know, cover that range of stuff are probably pretty senior um, and they're probably already in jobs they like or contracting for themselves or doing whatever. So our chances of finding somebody to to do that uh, are probably quite slim. And then even if we did find somebody, you know, it, they may be, you know, quite rightly um, looking for remuneration that may be above where a company of our size can can um, do stuff. Because, I mean, we're, we're not, you know, VC funded or, you know, any of this megabuck stuff. So we're pretty much just open to... Uh, anybody really, uh, you know, whether they're junior or mid-level or, or, or senior, if they want to be senior, to apply. Because it's more about finding the person who will fit with us. Because I've pretty much learned over the years that if you can, if you're okay for the level you're at, then you'll learn as you go, and that's fine. And we can be flexible enough; we can adapt the role to whatever level the person comes along at. But far more important is it someone who's going to fit in with us? Is it someone who can put up with me? Basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good thing. So, yeah, so we've been pretty... Now, some people are struggling with that because we, we've been like, uh, yeah, if you're interested, apply. But what qualifications do you want? Well, none, really. I mean, it's great if you've probably got some iOS or macOS experience or Objective-C or Swift UI or Swift, sorry, Swift UI is even better as well. Um, but, yeah, so we're just really looking for the right person who can work in a small company where, you know, there's no big corporation structure. It's all pretty loose. You can might, might work on three different things in a day. Uh, we might change our mind 20 times, but you'll know that if you listen to this podcast <laughs> in there. So, yeah, so it'll be quite interesting to see if anyone comes along. Because I think, you know, funny enough, even though overall in the world, the pandemic has put the jobless totals up in many countries, especially the UK and the US, I know, um, a lot. But actually, as far as um, developers are concerned, it still seems like it's, there's more of a sh- shortage than there is a, a um uh, an oversupply. Yeah, and it also puts a premium on those who who can collaborate effectively because it's a tricky thing. I mean, you know, it's it's hard enough when 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 you are in meetings and and all of a sudden a dog starts barking or a child comes into frame or whatever. Um, but it, it, the ability to think about a problem and then talk clearly about what you're going to do. And I, this is something where I was trying to give some help to a. a, a a friend of mine who was asking my sage advice and 
and what I had said is like, you know, when I was, when I was a young lad and when I was first learning to program, I would just dive immediately into code because I just, I just wanted to try and get something to work. And there's definitely times and places for that hack days, or even if you're just doing exploration, but ultimately if you want to make something that that will, a, a durable solution, you have to spend way more time just thinking about it, precisely what it is you need to do. And once you have that very, very clear writing the code to execute what it is that you've decided needs to be done is actually the least difficult part of it. And nobody understands that in the beginning. And, um, but by the same token, you know, when you're trying to explain to somebody who's saying, well, can you, can you give me a prototype? Can you show me? Don't tell me. There is always that, that, that tension. But I think that now because of the pandemic, those who, who are really good at, at thinking about a problem, going off and, and thinking about at least coming back with some product, whether it's a very good diagram that makes things very, very clear or, or whatever. Um, I think that those people are, are in a great position because there is something lovely being about being able to, to work exactly where you want to and construct the life that really works for your family or, or your situation or whatever, wherever it may be in the world. So if there is any silver lining to this lockdown thing, that's definitely it. And it, it seems to be working the, the case in the largest of companies from the sales forces and the Facebooks and the Apples and the Twitters all the way down to the, 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 the massive conglomerates in, in East Bollockshire. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things the pandemic has done for us is we've changed. We, dropped, we recently dropped Slack um, as the way we communicate, and we've moved to a product called Twist. Hmm. Um, and the main reason was, I mean, Slack is great for casual conversation and chit-chat and, you know, trying to keep up a little bit of the day-to-day office banter. Uh, we, we basically, we do, we, do a, we do a daily stand-up, which is basically about 30 minutes every day, 15 to 30 minutes every day. And the reality is we, talk, we, we do virtually nothing to do with work at all. We'll talk about last night's football results or, or whatever else or the food we cooked or whatever. And that's basically a 30-minute just catch-up every day as a as a group of people we will sort of briefly report on what we've done and sometimes tangent into real work but it's really that's trying to keep up the personal relationship part of it but then the rest of it goes on 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 online most of the time i mean we do um uh, use meetings uh, now and again but also but the trouble is with when your all of your communication becomes over slack um even though slack now has threads which obviously um are quite useful you know once your conversation is finished finding uh, oh my god yes three weeks time finding what you agreed in your conversations in slack is really difficult and uh the point is with twist it has channels just like slack has but everything uh everything is a thread uh and so you you keep conversations going within a thread and then when the uh when when you've decided the thread is finished you can close the thread and part of closing the thread is you can fill in the conclusion of the thread hmm. so that means when you're then scanning back now through you know the say the money world channel you know the thread might be called what the hell are we going to do about <laughs> updates and you don't have to go back through everything you'll just see the title of the thread and because the thread is now closed you'll just see the conclusion of the thread so you don't have to find everything again and actually for remembering what it is we agreed during chat and everything else so principally most of the time it's just like slack but once the conversation is over you can find what you you put in there again and so we quite we quite like that and that's working quite well for us um so uh yeah so we've 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 gone to to twist um and it seems pretty good but that's that's helping part of our 
offline communication or online communication or whichever one it really is. I'd not heard of it, but I would say that it's it, it it's getting you know rousing approval from the dog in the background. Yes, the dog has been a complete pain in the ass all day. So if anyone, okay, part of the rules of applying for this job is you have to adopt a dog, uh, <laughs> which, which I will parcel force to you anywhere in the world. <laughs> Or apply that. No, I won't say it. <laughs> and if you... anyone's looking for job, if anyone's looking for job share, that means you get part of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's terrible. <laughs> you get a bunch of angry letters from dog lovers. And may I point out that I do have a dog. So yes, and if you get an angry letter from a dog letter, uh, a dog letter. If you get an angry letter from a dog lover, please put your return address on so I can send you the dog. <laughs> No, this is completely apropos of nothing, but I do remember being told that if you wanted to get back at people, send you absurd mailers with postage paid envelopes returning, you could tape it to a brick and the post office would be required to send it. So now if somebody complains about a dog, you just have to ask them to send a postage paid mailer. You just tape it to the dog and put it in the post office. Back in the days before the internet was common for everybody, like the, the mid-80s, when I was in college, early 80s, mid-80s, whenever, a long time ago. And, you know, everything was done by mail order and, and ca- magazines and catalogues. Uh, a, a, I'm calling them a friend of mine. Once went through, this was back in the day when the Sunday newspapers were a, were about a foot thick, mm. and a lot of that was advertising and whatever else. Um, somebody who was very bored once went through um, a, an entire Sunday newspaper, you know, just, just one edition, and filled in every application for every brochure, or magazine, or <laughs> offer with my address on it as a student, and, and for the next two years in this address or whatever long it was, I would just get. Well, now we had a spare room in this in this apartment because we've been so annoying to the other person in the apartment. They've moved out because we we did things like change all the clocks so they got up at three a.m. before they realised it was too early and stuff like that. It's typical stupid boy pranks. Um, so we had a spare room. So we literally this stuff right, we just chucked it in there. And then like I reckon when we moved out of that apartment, we left about two feet of brochures on the floor of this. <laughs> yeah, there there is. Yeah, okay, that person who did that, you know, the eco problem in this world is your fault. <laughs> For sending me all those brochures. Anyway, how did we get onto that even? <laughs> there well, we go. About returning dogs, or you must like the dog, yeah. or accept to take the dog. But it's all good, Scotty. We like these little trips through memory disturbed. What's the what's the problem when you have like a memory crash or something when you write to an empty memory address or something? So that's really kind of... my memory's empty all the time. So <laughs> it's just called to me. It's just called life. I don't know what it's called to anybody else. Right. Yes. So, what else have you been up to this week? Anything, uh, anything newsworthy or exciting that we should know about? Um, it, no, I mean, not, not. I mean, it would, it would be related to to the the San Francisco school systems, and that's that maybe is too far afield. Um, it's, but it and other things that that are definitely newsworthy, but I absolutely cannot talk about. So, um, unfortunately, I, I, I'm failing you on that one. But I, that's okay. All, that's yeah. okay, John. You had a successful week. That's yeah. all we need to do. We should rename the podcast. Let's celebrate, John. <laughs> I think we ought to do that. I think we know what we should do. <laughs> we should we should celebrate our listeners' time by bringing this show to a close mercifully early, ish. Uh, yeah, I think I think yeah. If you're not asleep after thirty minutes of this, then nothing is going to cure your insomnia. Is what I would say. In which but case, we, we should fill out, you should please send your mailing address so we can have brochures on sleep aids sent to you. <laughs> so. Yes, I will send you a brochure. 
wrapped in a dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Scotty. If people wanted to tell you that you once again what a horrible person you are, where may they do that? Including postal address, please. You could get a hold of me as Twitter as I hate dogs. Um, <laughs> no, as Mac Devnet, <laughs> where uh, where you will find me where I tweet about once a month uh, and whatever else. But I do love to hear from what what people people say about me. Very, people very rarely say things to me, but they they do say things about me. Although Joe Heck did say a nice thing to me this week. He thanked me for the um, GitHub One S stuff we talked about the other week because he says that has changed his life just like it did mine. So thanks, Joe, for being really positive. Wow, that is that. very nice. And John, where can people uh, talk to you? Well, you can talk to me in, in the place where all friendly conversations are being held these days, and that's Twitter, where I'm Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Well, Scotty, it's been a pleasure listening to you. <laughs> are you saying I've been talking too much today? No, no, no. I was just trying to, I'm trying to make up for last week's failure by trying to, to, to bring the close about the kind of, and until next <laughs> oh, okay. time. okay. Get ready. I, I will. I will. I will. I will lead us in, and you okay, just good. need to be ready. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm ready. But first of all, I'm mm-hmm. going to say thank you very much to everyone for listening. Don't forget, if you want to be able to put up with this for forty to fifty hours a week, then you can work with us by sending <laughs> information about yourself to Scotty at DiligentRebel.com. But other than that, if it was your turn to listen this week, I do apologise, and thank you anyway for doing it. And until next time, you take care. You nailed it, sir. A successful oh. week all round. <laughs> Thank you, Scotty. <laughs> that is the height of our achievement if we get two sentences strung together with the timing right. <laughs> A successful week. Oh.